Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Title Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from Hackettstown, New Jersey, from Cat Swamp Road. And hopefully the sound of my voice has everything going well with you today. I can understand why my microphone is picking up a, a lisp. I don't understand why that's happening. But anyway, hopefully it goes away. It's probably not the microphone. It's probably my messed up throat. But anyway, so... Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, as an aside before I talk about other things, is that I I have no background in recording anything whatsoever. And that's one of the things I'm going to discuss today on my show is that, uh, so I kind of got into this in a roundabout way. So I don't have any, I never have any formal training. And also, I really don't have anybody as a mentor. So I kind of fumble my way through everything, which is more or less has been the story of my life. But so I try to do as much research as I can. And people who are on radio and television, they tell you to put lip balm on before you record. So you don't make that slapping sound with your lips as like that as you as you talk so i do do that and i i always brush my teeth before i start to record and there's a dynamic of that and i i would do that regardless but then i found that there's a dynamic of it and a lot of a lot of professional recording people which i don't consider myself a professional recording person <laughs> so uh they say that it has to do with the uh, i guess the enzymes or something in your mouth i just like my mouth to feel clean you know when i was a kid i had braces on my teeth my my parents believed that my sister and i should have very straight teeth because my father my father felt that as you go out into the world into the business community you go get a job is something is that people look at your teeth and and sadly if you don't have good teeth uh lots of times in society they they look down upon you so my sister and i both had braces but that orthodontist dr lap took was his name and uh I, and he always used to use me as a model for the other kids because what happened i kept my teeth beautifully clean because i used to hate that in school you had kids with braces it was disgusting the kid would open his mouth and half of his lunch would be in there so i got so so i think i had my braces when i was 13 or 14 years old so from that point on i got paranoid about brushing my teeth which is something i mean i'll have a glass of milk and i'll brush my teeth so uh so that's so i got used to i wear out toothbrushes like anything over here and go through toothpaste so buy stock in uh i like uh, uh, pepsodent because it's the american brand but anyway so i brushed my teeth before that and do all that but still i really don't know uh, all the other tricks of the trade and because i'm recording in the farmhouse it's not a controlled soundproof environment so i try to do my best to have a show that is at least easy to listen to audio-wise, maybe not my voice or my content, but easy to listen to audio-wise. But uh, that is that, and what I want to just bring you up to date on some things, and I would love to hear crop reports and different things from you guys. You know, please, I mean, I want to thank Jason from Long Island that he reached out to me the other day, and uh he was going to be up this way and he wanted to stop by our farm and get some sweet corn and then go over to flp acres and if you if you listen to my on the road podcast i did a podcast with them just a week or so ago maybe two weeks ago now uh 
about uh, their aquaponic operation. So I want to thank you so much for the kind words, Jason, and for willing to come all the way out from Long Island for this hot rod farmer's corn. But sadly, I do not have any corn, which I got back to him and told him that. Uh, right now, we had, um, I put nine plantings in. The first was May 12th. The last was June 20th. The first four plantings, which is in one field, and there's another field that's along the highway, the show field, I call If you're a farmer, you understand what I'm talking about, because if you mess stuff up, that's what all the neighbors see, right? The one that's hidden in the back is the one who usually comes up, plants beautifully, and you don't mess up anything, in it, but nobody sees it. But the show field, right along Route 517 on the highway there, I have five plantings. But it's been so terribly dry that sadly, um, my first four plantings, I will get nothing out of it whatsoever. And unless you're in agriculture, you could never understand how you could have a whole field of something and get nothing out of it. And sadly, that's the reality of agriculture. I mean, there's people that have thousands of acres and they get nothing out of it because a hailstorm comes through or a drought. But in this particular instance, it was that field has experienced everything under the sun from flooding to extreme drought. But it it made a nice stalk. The stalk is the stalk is fine. But as far as sweet corn is concerned, the lack of rain we've had. I think in the past six weeks we've got 0.68 inches of rain, and we had about 10 days of near i'm not going to say 100 degree temperatures high 90s 96 95 96 with high uv and with that and it just did not have enough moisture to make a marketable year the year was about two or three inches long and uh, and had partial fill was real hot during pollination and everything in that field went wrong and it's heartbreaking to see it but that's part of the game of being a farmer and trusting in god so my wife and i when i say we're praying i then hopefully you know by now if you've listened to me if you're not new to the show because when i say i'm praying i'm sincerely praying it's not just a figure of speech that we're praying that the good lord rescues plantings five through nine and gives us a crop to harvest and to uh, to be able to try to get some of our investment back. Sadly, like most, I mean, I'm not the only one that's in this in this boat. Uh, but sadly, um, all the inputs for everyone this year was, was 125 to 150 percent higher than they were the year before. So it's the most expensive crop that I lost so far and uh i didn't lose the whole thing yet so god willing i have some corn and jason could come up and and see me and get some corn It'd be great to uh, shake his hand but he could always go over to flp acres because they're an aquaponic they grow their stuff in water they don't have corn but they grow their their greens and everything in water so they don't have to worry about a drought over there and they recycle the water so they're not using it they only have about 15,000 gallons that they use in their aquaponic operation. And uh, I want to thank you for that, Jason. And I also uh, want to just whatever bring you up to date in, in my life. My my losing another hen, my little hen digger. It looks like she had a couple of, the past month or so, she's had a couple of what I would call TIAs, like mini strokes. I don't know. I'm sure chickens get those also. But then she really... Uh, she's paralyzed and we've been trying to feed her we can't feed her so we're giving her uh, milk she they all my girls love milk milk through a syringe 
and uh, it was a battle to do that and I thought for sure that she was going to pass last night I'm recording this um, a few days ahead of time and I was really I was really surprised and I spent till 10 o'clock at night with her just hugging her and petting her and talking to her and telling her that I love her and uh, like I said before if you don't have a relationship with animals you'll think I'm crazy and that's fine you could think that I am but when you have a true relationship with God's creation it's a blessing that no money can buy and those who have have relationships with animals and it doesn't have to be a dog or a cat those also but it could be with anything is that you know exactly what I'm talking about so I was in the pen with her till about a little bit after 10 o'clock last night but I had to keep shining a flashlight and it was bothering her so I gave it to the Lord and told her I loved her and was well expecting to not see her alive this morning but she was so much to my much to my surprise so I, I don't think that she'll make it through another day or so but then this then then this morning when I went out to get breakfast I go to a place in town uh, and get a breakfast sandwich and coffee simply not because I don't want to eat at home but simply when you work at home you're 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 a writer you're a podcaster you're a radio person and you're a farmer all right then you never get off the property you never get out of the house i mean so it's like okay go from the house my basement office to the cornfield so you really need to get some stimulation and i learned that early on in my career before i was doing everything else is that you need to get some stimulation so there's a place in town called speedy mart only a few miles away uh in Hackettstown and I get a a bacon egg and cheese sandwich they make it fresh every morning and a cup of coffee and it used to be 3.95 or three and they just uh, raised the price this a couple months ago to 4.45 which obviously is very very inexpensive and uh it is you know it's a great sandwich and it's great coffee so it gives me a chance to go out and get out and and maybe talk to somebody or what have you and get a little bit of of a, of a diversion so I, I don't burn out over here which is trying to write and create and, and and make content because you can believe it or not you can get burnt out very easily i don't want to say if you get burnt out but you get stale it's like in and even though you want to be enthusiastic you're not enthusiastic and you uh either in your writing or in your audio and that's not good that's not good but you guys are so forgiving of this hot rod farmer and i want to thank you so much for sticking with me through my unenthusiastic days some way but anyway this morning when i went out went down cat swamp road there was a uh it was still dark it's five o'clock in the morning sadly it's it's dark already right at five o'clock in the morning but uh there was a beautiful little fawn and she was probably another week or so she would have completely lost her spots and she got hit and she was in the middle of the uh eastbound lane of cat swamp road not that it's a big road east or west but the, the eastbound lane of cat swamp road and i know that there's a heartbroken doe and possibly a sibling someplace this morning and so when i i picked i stopped with the car and i put her over to the side to the shoulder and i said when i come back from breakfast i'm gonna have to get the tractor with the bucket on it and then take her and put her to rest peacefully in the woods on our farm so that she could it doesn't deserve being laying on the side of a road so and i did and she was so healthy looking so oh she, she was a heavy little girl she was beautiful and i and she looked like a girl 
and she and when I put her to rest in the woods under a tree that I did look and I'm 99.9 percent sure that she was a girl she looked very very feminine so my heart breaks for that mommy uh that heart breaks for mommy and like I said if you never experienced that uh, I've experienced and I'm sure others listening in the audience uh the heartbreak that that animals have when one of when they especially when one of their children gets killed uh, we had years ago we had a uh, a mother turkey here we have a lot of turkeys wild turkeys and this hen must have she must have well she, she must have lost all of her chicks which is not unusual to happen i never saw her when she had her chicks uh but she used to come around two to three times a day and i have to say for almost two months and just crying well, calling the chicks calling the chicks and she'd come around and she'd look go by the pen where my chickens were she'd come over she'd actually stick her head in the garage and call them and and i don't even think the poor thing ever even stopped to eat and i'll never forget the sound of her calling because it wasn't the typical mother calling calling her chicks it was it was a it was the sound of a mother calling her chicks but with a uh, different tone to it with a tone of desperation and uh she was just terrible i mean for months she came around two to three times a day she was on a route uh she'd go down by our house come and look in the garage come in front of the house go down by my my pen where my 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 chickens are and then she'd go down to the small field into the cornfield up into the woods terrible terrible so it's a terrible terrible heartbreak and we all have the same creator and we don't lots of people don't recognize that they have the same emotions and the same love and that 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 we do for for our families and our loved ones so that's that's a so i brought that little fawn into the woods and let her god willing and i i, I from the path that where she got hit i would tend to think her mother doesn't go back there but maybe she does but uh she needed to be way back into the farm she was born on the farm and let her go you know let, let her rest on the farm but that is that and the other thing i want to tell you is that uh, if i some of you listen to the radio show some of you don't and i certainly respect that and, and honor that i mean there's no obviously i don't expect you to, to consume everything that i create uh, I obviously liked it would be appreciative and be honored if you did but obviously you can't do all of that so uh, but the radio show as you know on Sirius XM lists as a podcast a week after it airs and that's on my farmmachinerydigest.com and it's also on my um, most podcast hosting sites I would say almost every major podcast hosting site we'll leave it at that so but this the show that i'm going to be recording this week which will drop this coming saturday so if you listen this show will drop on wednesday and this coming saturday on the radio show farm machinery digest radio i am having a gentleman who is very knowledgeable about the repair of of portable generators and i found him on youtube because there was such a a drought of knowledge or 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 anything about repairing portable generators and usually i'm not a big youtube fan and you guys know that you really have to you know sift through what's good and what's just 
somebody's inventing science or something they really don't know how it works they you know buy they have a cell phone and they got a youtube channel and all of a sudden they're an expert and everything but this man is not that it that's not the case so i reached out to him and his name and uh, i'm gonna have it his name is james condon and uh, he's not a generator repair person by trade uh he does have a a, a uh i believe he has an it electrical background but but he's done a lot of work with repairing generators and what have you and what i found about and i really think it's important because both this show and my radio show is a transfer of knowledge and that's really what's lacking today is a transfer of knowledge there's no place to go to learn anything and um sadly not like it was years ago but that's really i mean you, my audience is is you're smart i mean but if nobody tells you how to how something works or, or how how to diagnose something or give you a specification or this is how you check this or okay i know how to check it but i know how to use an ohmmeter i know how to use a, a a micrometer but what's the size supposed to be and then and today that's really it's really terrible there's no and i'm doing my best and that was the impetus for the starting of this podcast was to have a transfer of knowledge for the agricultural community and the machinery community but uh and i'm doing my best tonight lots of times i get frustrated because i feel that i'm hitting a brick wall as far as being able to get knowledge to transfer to you guys but so this gentleman does an excellent excellent job on his videos uh as far as very practical shows you how to check things so you he, if he doesn't know the specification he tells you says well so that uh, you know historically this rotor will be between 0.2 ohms and 0.7 ohms and so it's very very good so what i'm going to do is i'm going to have him on my radio show and i'm going to talk to him about repairing portable generators and i think that's important because i mean i obviously had a problem i have a problem in mine but more but but that's really not the impetus for it that was the impetus for me finding him but uh, uh if you if you have a portable generator or a backup generator you have it for a reason because if the power goes out you need electric and i'm not saying well okay the power goes out you live in the in town and the power goes out for two hours and you can't watch tv so it's not but you know in a lot of rural areas that's uh i'm not going to say a life and death deal but if you have livestock if you have animals and uh, you have a dairy barn you have uh, chickens you have poultry or whatever you have hogs i mean you're not going to power the, the hog house up with a portable generator you're going to have a standby generator but but the idea of having electricity and some diagnostics and and specifically with the portable generators because you may be able to you know to you could run your well pump off a portable portable generator so you may have uh just you have to uh, you may have no no electrical demand per se in the barn for the animals at that particular point let's say it's a nice 60 degree day and you don't have any you don't need a 50 degree day but you need water right so whatever so i just feel that it's going to be really important so if you can check that out it'll be in a couple of weeks it'll be on farm machinery digest radio and what we're going to do today is that i'm going to have a different type of show again and i always try to do something different to keep it interesting for you guys and to keep it educational but 
I have a number of questions here. You know, on the other day on one of the shows, I had a letter that I read to you, and I said I was going to have a couple of letters, but I didn't have a couple. <laughs> I did have a couple of letters, but I didn't answer those because on the on the show because I went too long with whatever other content I was talking about, and I try not to go more than sixty five or seventy minutes on this show. I don't want to be burdensome to you. I'm not going to spend your whole life listening to this guy from Cat Swamp Road, and I don't blame you. But I have a. I had. I, I collected over the past whatever couple of say couple of months a number of questions that came to me and they're and they're one line questions so it's not a lot of reading but they're that but i can expand upon those those questions quite well and give you a good transfer of knowledge but also and i'm saying this very humbly and please take and then know that that i'm sincerely humbled by everybody who listens to me and spends their time with me and they consider you family even though i haven't met you is that my mother used to say sps self-praise stinks and i'm not i'm not praising myself whatsoever but but a number of questions have come through that were personal since i've started the podcast and the radio show and uh the people i guess are interested a little bit about me and I'm, I'm humbled by that who I mean who would be interested in me i mean other than you know just talking about engines or something like that so i have a number of questions here that a person that i'm going to i'm going to qualify as personal and you know i ask you guys to contact me and reach out to me and put a give me a pin in my map and tell, let me know a little bit about you and your family and your operation and i ask you to please send me pictures and whatever i i i love learning about you whether you're a farmer or whether you live in manhattan and i know i have a couple of listeners in manhattan new york city only because they gave me pins otherwise i would not know that so but i've and i share and my my life is an open book to you guys you know most most things about my life but obviously there's things that you don't know about me and there seems to be some interest in the community in the audience which like i said i'm surprised at and i am humbled by it about different aspects of my life so i am going to share that with you today and hopefully you do not mind but they're not all questions about me there's some questions about other things also so this is an eclectic mix of questions and i would love for you to tell me to reach out to me at hot rod farmer at farmmachinerydigest.com get into that that contest to win a hot rod farm license plate give me a pin in my map please that's the only thing i ask of you other than your time to listen and also i would love to know about you learn about you uh see pictures of your animals your 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 farm your family what have you i uh you know evan and katie sent me pictures of their wedding which i loved uh uh cody and his uh and geez I'm, I'm sorry cody i forgot i uh i forgot your bride's name i got i guess a senior moment and they sent me pictures of the wedding i'm not saying you have to send me pictures of your wedding but but you know i wanted i want to get to know you better so i guess i have to let you know more about me so i am an open book you could send me an email and you could ask me whatever you want and obviously if it's not off car or, or extremely personal beyond what the scope of the show is that i may not put it on the show but i will answer your questions because we are family and i want to and i and i want you to feel it when i want you to know that i am talking just to you i'm not talking to an audience i'm talking to you so without any further ado 
all right we're going to get into this and i have one two three four five six questions and that'll probably take me the rest of the show because you know that i am long-winded all right so this is a question and i just put the person's first name down and and where they're from this is from paul from montana and montana is a gorgeous gorgeous state i uh haven't been there for many years but i dreamt as a young man to live in montana big sky country all right so he says why do all new engines both gas and diesel have egr systems well very simple paul <clears throat> and we've done i've done some shows and i always say we because you you guys are part of this so it's not just me it's not my show it's your show it's your podcast it's your radio show all right so i just the guy with the microphone that doesn't mean anything but uh we did some shows about egr a while back and egr stands for exhaust gas recirculation and in a nutshell there is a, a an emissions a mission called oxides of nitrogen which is abbreviated capital n capital o subscript x and oxides of nitrogen is produced during combustion and is the zeldovich equation all right so you have a little bit of a background and the zeldovich equation recognized or identified that it's pressure heat and, and i call it exposure time in some textbooks they call it resident time so it's pressure and heat in the cylinder and how quick the burn rate occurs and that's what the exposure or resident time is and it creates this emission called oxides of nitrogen which creates smog and attacks the ozone layer in the atmosphere and anytime you have combustion and the in the in the in an internal combustion engine let's say like an open flame like like a barbecue grill or because you don't have the pressure there but in an internal in an internal combustion engine in a closed environment like that or in a power plant or what have you um you need the flame the oxide of nitrogen production really starts to ramp off it's it's you it's always there but at, at, at lesser levels all right but it really starts on an internal combustion engine once the leading edge flame temperature and we call it the flame front as the flame propagates across the bore reaches 2500 degrees and beyond but 2500 degrees fahrenheit is the witching temperature for oxides of nitrogen production and then the oxides of nitrogen go start to really go sky high and what it was found early on and i'm saying early on back in the 70s well late i mean there's always a gestation period this so when this was developed in the late 60s but by the time it came to the market was the 70s and buick was the first one to use an egr valve and then by 1973 almost every gasoline engine had an, a car truck engine had an egr valve and then uh but what was what was discovered is that if you put ex so getting back to that zeldovich equation we have pressure what combustion pressure heat heat of combustion and exposure time which is burn right in the cylinder and the flame speed if you put an inert gas in there which is exhaust gas and recycle it into the cylinder bore then it's going to it's going to cool down the cylinder he said that's crazy how can i put hot exhaust gas in a cylinder and cool it down well the e-jar is actually acting as a filler 
So it, even though it's heated, it's taking the place of combustible mixture. And so it's not leaning it out because leaning it out would mean that you were putting less, the air fuel ratio is changing. No, no, no. You're taking the place of combustible mixture. So by putting this filler in, even though it's preheated, it doesn't allow the combustion temperatures to get as high because there's less combustible mixture and it decreases or it, it i don't want to say it eliminates it reduces oxides of nitrogen emission and that's one of the problems with a diesel engine is that the burn rate the flame speed the exposure time is so slow diesel fuel burns much slower than gasoline and so the and the high cylinder pressure and heat has all of the dynamics of the zeldovich equation the three components of it to produce egr and that's one of the reasons why diesels have a have uh, such a target on them around the world by all of these uh, well you know I'll, I'll call them greenies or whatever but they're really not greenies because as a christian i'm a greenie right i want to take good care of god's environment and be a good steward of it these people just want to destroy they're a cabal that's really what it is they're a cabal because if they were so interested in oxides of nitrogen and particulate emissions and greenhouse gases they wouldn't be flying around on private jets and and having 20 and 30 thousand square foot homes and running the air conditioner all the time so it's just a ruse it's that's not it's not what it's really about because if it was really about you know cleaning up the environment and being good steward i'd be the first one who would be on board with what they would what in with the electric cars and everything forget about it. it's not what it's about but we're not going to go there now so so and that's and so egr but egr is not administered during all engine operating states uh it's when the highest oxides of nitrogen production will be uh created because of those three components pressure heat and exposure time and that is the um was the impetus for scr selective catalytic reduction and diesel exhaust fluid which is urea and which is nitrogen based urea and deionized water which works together with the catalyst the scr selective catalytic reduction because the term catalyst is something that speeds up a chemical reaction without itself becoming consumed and that's and that decreases the e uh, the oxides of nitrogen emission so basically chemically so the diesel engine is still creating oxides of nitrogen all right but the scr is cleaning it up so what there's so there's post there's this and it's called an after treatment so the first level to clean up the or minimize i should say not clean up minimize oxides of nitrogen the first soldier is egr and then the, what's not cleaned up in cylinder is cleaned up on a diesel with scr and then on a uh, gasoline engine they're cleaning it up with egr because we don't have the cylinder pressure and we have a quicker burn rate and if you look at all of these new engines they have a very quick burn rate so the burn rate in the combustion chamber is read in meters per second so if, so if you have five meters per second versus 20 meters per second 20 meters per second is a lot faster burn speed so that is the third component of the zeldovich equation so that if you could have a very quick burn speed it'd be like having a, a match and putting your finger very quickly through the match you don't get burned right or a rabbit running across the road versus a turtle so the thing is that if you so if you have a very quick burn speed you're modifying the one element in the zeldovich equation to minimize oxides of nitrogen production so that is why <clears throat> we have egr 
I'm not against EGR. I'm not against reducing oxides of nitrogen production by no means. Uh, so I don't want you to think my previous statement that I am, that I'm like, okay, let's go back and polluting and have billowing smoke all over the place. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But at one particular point, you're at, you're at an inflection point where your efforts have minimal return and the consequences of those efforts far outweigh the benefit of the reduced tailpipe emissions uh so but that is egr so hopefully paul that answers your question okay so now we're next now we're off to we're out west yet again we're at carl 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 from new mexico okay carl i'm just gonna get a drink of water here and answer this one and carl <clears throat> carl asked me how did you meet your wife well that's like i said so that's uh very it's uh the the short story the short story is i met my wife on a blind date the backstory of that is uh her cousin pia was a when i had my engine shop i used to work on some people's cars everyday cars i didn't work on i mean i I didn't work on many but if but if you had a performance car you had an everyday car if you had a drag race car you had an, and i'd say everyday could have been a pickup truck what have you if you had a you, you, even if you had a, whatever a corvette that you drove every day well your wife had something else and then so and then there was you know, <clears throat> there was people that i knew that are friendly with and so i 99.9 percent of my customers were performance jobs engines whatever calibrations what have you but i did work on some everyday cars and uh for many years i met i met charlotte's cousin pia many years prior when i worked for alan test products the oscilloscope manufacturer and one of our salesmen who was older than i well about seven eh, how old was he maybe seven or eight years older than me but if i was 23 he was 30 it was a big difference or maybe nine years, eight years, I don't know, he was seven or eight, nine years old, I mean, not 10, but anyway, so, um, and he knew Pia as she was a childhood friend or from high school or something, and I got friendly with Pia, and uh, she's a psychologist by trade, nice person, a nice person, so, uh, but anyway, so what happened was that uh, she had a Toyota, I don't even know, it wasn't a Tercella, maybe it was a Tercella, whatever so she had a Toyota at the time and she had problems with the car and she used to drop it off in my shop and and uh I would fix it and I would leave the leave it outside with the keys locked in it she had another set of keys and she'd come pick up and send me a check so I really hadn't didn't see Pia for four or five years she didn't come to me for oil changes or stuff like that she came to me for something that was either major or, or had a problem where she her, her normal mechanic couldn't fix or didn't fix correctly so so that was basically it was more of a courtesy you know friendship courtesy between us i mean i I charged her but it wasn't like you were making any money doing it so anyway what had happened and because and pia pia uh was a relationship counselor in her in her practice she did i guess they do that i don't know with psychologists or whatever so so anyway so like i said sweet person great person we love her to death but so sharon my secretary was out to lunch and uh 
it was a summertime and Sharon was out to lunch and there was the two guys who worked in the shop were out to lunch and I was there and the phone rang so I picked up the phone normally my secretary would pick it up and it's PSA Pia how are you and so, so I got a problem blah, blah, blah. so it's okay you drop it off no problem so 10 seconds 15 seconds after we're dropping the car off I mean you have to know Pia she has to hammer you right uh so I forgot what did she say uh Oh, how is your love life, or 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 something to that effect? I mean, she's she's as she's as, as rough as a chainsaw blade. I mean, she comes, <clears throat> she doesn't mince her words. Oh, I think she said, "Are you dating anybody? How is your love life? Are you dating anybody?" And she just hammers like a like a like a, like a machine gun at you. So at that particular point, I didn't date anybody for more than a year, about a year and a half, and I hear kittens meowing. These are the new kittens. So uh, for a year and a half, and uh, and interestingly enough, a girl I was dating, her name was Charlotte. So to make a long story short, she con- she connected me with, she said, oh, I should set you up with my cousin, and we met on a blind date at her local restaurant. I was teaching a class the following week, the night before. There's a backstory to that also that I'm not going to burden you with how, how I had to call Charlotte five or six to Charlotte, my Charlotte, all right, five or six times before I was able to get her on the phone and whatever, but I won't burden you with all that. But that was basically how I met Charlotte. They met it through Pia. If the starter didn't go bad on her Toyota, I would not have met my wife. And But interestingly enough, the year before, for uh, because you guys know my heart, is that I went out west to Bonneville, my Lincoln, and went to the Speed Week and all out west to Bonneville. So far, it's had a wonderful time. And I was uh, wandering out in the Utah desert, and I had a long talk with the Lord, because I was I was I had no one in my life, and I truly wanted to have someone in my life and get married. It was an important part of my life. It was an important part of me for as a young man to have someone, and the Lord had blessed me with traveling extensively to wonderful places in north america and united states i'd say based in the united states and i wanted to share that with someone so i took a uh, a walk out into the utah desert and uh parked my lincoln at, on a dirt road and walked out into the desert and had a long talk with the lord and uh and asked him to bring me someone that i could share my life with and that i could share uh, that i could share all the beautiful places and the things of God's creation that he showed me over my over my lifetime I, I, I'd say over my my adult lifetime you know like Tahoe this that all these different places so I asked him that and uh, I said a prayer and I uh, put it to bed and I was a hundred percent fine with it that if I mean I just gave it to God and I have to honestly say and not honestly I have it is the truth almost a year it was it was probably a, a year to the day that I brought that prayer before the Lord and then he the phone rang and he and God works in mysterious ways that he used Pia to answer that prayer and then Charlotte and I dated and the rest is history and uh, I've been blessed the Bible says that a, that a good wife is a wonderful blessing from the Lord and it most definitely is I've been blessed with a wonderful wonderful life that wife thank God 
from that. So that's how I met her on a blind date, and we got engaged in my Lincoln because I'm a car guy, right? The hot rod farm. I had a brand new. Well, it was a couple two years old at the time. It was a '91. We got engaged in '93 in my Mark Seven LSC. So we got engaged in the Lincoln and. uh in the uh actually a customer of mine mr and mrs eckert that had a jaguar that we did a, a nice v8 on i think i told you i won't repeat the story and they came to pick up the jag and they knew that i was going to get engaged to charlotte and uh so mrs eckert she was, a, she was a sweetheart mrs eckert alan eckert they actually sold ended up selling that car a year or two later to brock yates who bought it for his wife and sadly brock yates died if you don't know who brock yates is you could look him up you could internet search him google him whatever he was the one who uh actually he, he was he was a very prolific writer for car and driver and he was the one who started the cannonball the old cannonball see the shining sea race the illegal one so uh so brock Yates, but mrs eckert said oh can i see the ring so i remember i had the ring in the trunk of my lincoln so i showed it to her and so she was all excited it was nice it was a nice experience it was a wonderful day of my life when i when we got engaged so it was a wonderful day so thank you for asking that all righty the next question is that they're all over the map and hopefully you don't mind this this show this is not going to be a, a standard format every week but i felt that the i needed to answer these people's questions and if i would do them over the air metaphorically because it's really not over the air right it's not a radio show okay what is better a carburetor or fuel injection that's steve from florida well you know in engineering you have an acronym that says kiss keep it simple stupid and so based upon that that acronym then a carburetor is much more better is much more better than a good english is much better than fuel injection and it's 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 simpler it does a great job it does nothing wrong <clears throat> but now if you're looking at the context of tailpipe emissions and a reduction in emissions then a carburetor is not as clean as fuel injection all right because there is uh the carburetor has a inherent lag time of the fuel going through through the manifold to the cylinder whereas a fuel injection system being poor fuel injection or being gasoline direct injection is able to respond so if the mixture is rich even if you had a feedback carburetor which uh, i'm made a lot of money and loved working on the rochester feedback carburetors they were it's electronic quadrajet sweetest carburetor ever made and people probably some of you go well that's a piece of jet. that thing was a baby i love that carburetor not because i made money on it i love that carburetor because that carburetor was the most adjustable <coughs> oe carburetor you could adjust the air bleed you could adjust the metering rod travel into the main jets the meaning rod travel out of the main jets you obviously had the float adjustment right had the which was all quadrants all carburetors had a float adjustment had secondary air valve adjustment which all quadrants had and other carburetors to a right idle mixture adjustment it had a choke spring adjustment idle a choke pull-off adjustment that thing is a baby plus the quadrajets had a booster within a booster so if you look at the primary side of the carburetor there was a, the venturi and then there was a booster and there was another booster in the booster so it had such a strong signal that the, a q jet was such a responsive carburetor if you knew how to work with it people gave it a black eye and put a holly on there holly was a piece of junk compared to a carter i mean to a carter to a quadrant excuse me all right all right they were easier to tune 
for somebody who was not that familiar with them and there was a whole bunch of aftermarket parts because the quadrajet was a factory carburetor it was an oe carburetor but as far as its design was concerned its engineering was concerned the accelerator pump circuit the metering circuit the uh, unbelievable unbelievable and i'm not saying that a holly's a bad carburetor but quadrajet unbelievable and people who didn't know them just would bad mouth them and throw them out and the electronic quadrajet was the sweetest carburetor ever made as far as i'm concerned sweetest oe carburetor ever made all right so so um so but this the problem getting back <laughs> to your question is that if even if on a, an electronic feedback carburetor with an oxygen sensor so it's it's looking at the mixture is that you have that long transport time so if the oxygen sensor tells the ecm ecu whatever you want to call it or they used to be called ecms and they call them ecus then after that is that it says the mixture is too rich all right then by the time then if it's okay lean it you pull the metering rods down in the main jets for instance like in a q jet all right but still you had that you had that long transport time of the mixture before, while it recognized that it was still sending a richer mixture or leaner mixture so its response was very muted as far as correcting the air fuel ratio was concerned back to stoichiometric as far as a feedback circuit but the carburetor was excellent all right and you could get it i mean excellent excellent but all carburetors had that inherent lag time and then as they added as the emission systems got emissions got stricter then the fact of the matter is that they added it wasn't just now fuel controllers ignition control and what have you so it all came together so to answer your question if you want simplicity and you want reliability carburetor baby keep it carbureted you want performance naturally aspirated carburetor you want performance on a drag race engine turbocharger supercharged you'd have i mean there it's a toss-up if you're a good if you're a good carburetor guy you could have just as good performance as fuel injection if you're not that good a carburetor guy then fuel injection is going to be the way you would go it's easier to program it's easier to tune and calibrate because you're playing with a laptop and changing numbers in a laptop versus physically drilling air bleeds and passages and and, and metering blocks and what have you all right as far as oe application is concerned when you're trying to meet very strict emission standards and fuel economy standards not that a carburetor can't do fuel economy but the emission standards then then a fuel injection is the way that you have to go simply because you have that quick response time and you don't have that transport of fuel going through a manifold the fuel is getting right into the cylinder all right so that so that is where you're at with it so it's like anything you know is a is a combine your corn head better than a bean head well it's better than a bean head if you're growing corn and 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 <laughs> but if you're not growing corn it's not any good right so the thing is that so i like a carburetor the whole thing basically is that and they'll keep in mind i'm gonna just back up to that on any emission strategy on any engine i don't care whether it's on a on a on the uh um, lawnmower or what have you the 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 steady state is always the easiest to get right you could get steady state clean with a carburetor with no problem i mean you could meet 
probably 95% of the tailpipe emission standards today in 2022 with a carburetor, steady state. It's the transition of the throttle opening, the throttle closing, what have you, on fuel injection. You know, as I said in last week's show, we have, you know, deacceleration fuel shut off. You can't shut off the fuel in the carburetor. So there's other components that come to it, but steady state is very, very, very easy to get to get to get what you want and keep in mind that on an emission strategy program the thing is that on a gasoline engine i'm saying is that you want to keep the engine out emissions which is the what that's coming out of the exhaust port before the 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 treatment system which is the catalytic converter on a gas engine is that you need to keep that that mixture as close to 14.7 to 1 as possible because the efficiency of the catalytic converter ramps down dramatically uh, leaner and richer than 14.7 to 1 so really the whole idea with efi is more to keep it keep it a tighter window of, of stoichiometric going into the cat to make the cat more efficient than actually what's happening inside the engine so there is no clear-cut answer to that but the thing is that if you're just looking to get the job done carburetor baby carburetor and if you're looking like anything you you know when i used to teach this i used to call it juggling balls is that really what it is? I mean, I can't juggle to save my life. But so, if you want to juggle one ball, you're taking a ball, you throw, you throw, you toss it up, catch it, toss it up. Now you want to juggle two balls. Now you want to juggle three balls, four balls, five balls. Is that as we started to add as 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 an industry, they start to add fuel economy emissions, cold start emissions. All right, deacceleration emissions. There's more and more balls to juggle. So the carburetor is excellent juggling one or two balls if you got to juggle more balls than that then you have to go with fuel injection but it brings its own set of problems to the table it's not this panacea this utopia wonderful thing it brings its own set of problems to the table but the fact is that as far as emissions and testing is concerned that it is definitely the way the emission tests are are written the protocols for them is that you would never be able to get a carburetor to pass today and also there's the the uh, the actual the vaporing the vape i should say vaporizing the release of hydrocarbons from the bowl vent of a carburetor so but as far as anything else is concerned carburetor so hopefully carl oh that no, wasn't carl excuse me carl asked me about how i met my wife that's steve from florida okay now we have george from delaware and george you got to reach out to me because i don't think i i'm not looking at my map right now i don't think i got any many many pins in delaware or any whatsoever so you got to give me a pin so anybody listening from delaware hot rod farmer farm machinery digest there's a lot of agriculture in delaware it's a small state but there's a lot of farming there so i need to connect with you guys all right so he's so george writes what is your favorite brand of car oh boy that's that's a really personal question that's not like how i met my wife all right that, because that's you know like with with car guys and with farmers right brand loyalty with tractors color loyalty you guys fight like anything i'm red i'm blue i'm green i'm orange <clears throat> is that what is my favorite brand of car well i evolved over the years but my the first thing i need to tell you is that my favorite brand of car is american 
you're right and i know i have listeners from all around the world and i'm so grateful and humbled by that and i mean that again sincerely and if, if you're a german then you should be you should love the german brands of cars they should be your favorite if you're italian you should love the italian brands of cars all right if if if, if you're french you should love a peugeot and a renault or whatever so all right so you know whatever i'm not going to go through the whole world and there's not that many car companies left anymore but i'm an american so i love my favorite brand is american cars american brands so that is and i'm not saying if you if you if you if you like something else that's a thousand percent fine but my pride as an american goes into american products somebody says, well i got a toyota it's made in the united states yeah all right fine all right that i'm, I'm not gonna knock i i like i my i like american cars made in america all right which is some of them are made in mexico now some of them are made in canada i don't have an issue with canada i do have an issue with mexico to a certain extent but whatever but that's not so anyway to answer your question i'm not going to get off on a tangent here is that what uh so i love american cars we grew up i grew up poor so you bought whatever you got for a couple of hundred dollars. So I was, and my loyalty would have been to whatever I bought. <laughs> so whatever, I should say, or my family bought, because we were poor. We didn't buy new cars, all right? So the thing is that, so when we bought a Plymouth, I was a Chrysler guy. We bought an Oldsmobile, I was an Oldsmobile guy. We bought a Pontiac, I was a Pontiac guy. But the fact of the matter is, is that over the, my first new car was a Buick. And I loved that Buick. I'd gotten a job in a Buick dealership. I went to school up at General Motors, and General Motors did a lot for me as far as, and as far as I was concerned during that era, General Motors was the best. I mean, hands down. I mean, I was a Chrysler guy for a while. I had a Dodge Dart. I had a Plymouth Fury. I had two Dodge Darts. I had an Aspen. They they were good. I'm not going to deny it. I'm not saying anything were bad. All right. We had an old Ford truck on the farm, a '64 with a 292 in it. That thing basically was killer. I mean, it was all rotted out. Had a hand choke. You could pull that choke out. It could be 10 degrees below zero. That old Ford, boom! Start. I mean, I don't think the crankshaft turned uh, much more than 360 degrees and it would fire. <clears throat> so. But then I became I was a I was a General Motors Buick guy. I loved Buick. I loved General Motors. And then I didn't like what happened to General Motors. And I and I started to really have an affinity for Ford. I uh, was a Chrysler man for a while. I never had a new Chrysler. Every Chrysler product I had was was uh, you know was what we had in the family was older and a couple hundred dollar car. I mean they were great. Slant six Chrysler can't beat it uh 340 chrysler can't beat it the hemi the old hemi was okay all right that's going to surprise you it was okay it had some things in it that i didn't particularly like and uh i mean that, that i learned later on as an adult not as a young guy but uh tom hoover who i believe sadly has passed away now was the father of the hemi and he used to read me in Hemming's classic car, and he actually wrote me a letter, and I couldn't believe it, I got this letter. I used to do this thing called Mechanical Marvels, and uh, he wrote me a beautiful, beautiful letter, and I saved that. So um, Chrysler, I mean, I love them all, but then what had happened is that I started to gravitate towards Ford. So if you ask me right now, if you were sitting next to me on an airplane, and you said to me, what is your favorite brand of car, that I would say Ford uh if you spoke to me 30 years ago i would say buick and general motors 
right? If you spoke to me 40 years ago, I'd say Chrysler because I had a 68 Dodge Dart and then a 71 Dodge Dart and then a 77 Swinger and a 70 Plymouth Fury, right? So I was all over the map, but I have to say right now that the past 20 years that I'm a Ford guy. So I bleed, <coughs> I bleed blue, but I will buy any of the American brands. So, uh, but I really don't like what happened to General Motors. Um, they're not the company they used to be that I grew up with. Uh, AMC, I'm, I, I wanted to buy an AMC. I mean, I thought they were great cars. I mean, sadly they went away. So that answers the question. And I'm probably have now some people putting garlic around their neck and like I'm a vampire and, and that's fine. Hey, if you like a Toyota, you like a whatever, Mazda, you like a Volkswagen, that's your prerogative. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. But I like to take pride in my country and my products and i don't have the same i cannot i cannot have and that doesn't mean it's wrong if you do i'm just telling you because this question was posed to me it's not being posed to you is that there's no pride and ownership for me for a foreign brand even if it's assembled in the united states there's no pride of ownership because really you have to look at the whole uh, you have to look at more be, i mean yes the assembly to me is very very important but the fact of the matter is the engineering that where the jobs are where the technology is so uh so if you buy a ford that's assembled in mexico yeah like i mean i did i spoke about the maverick and the bronco to the bronco sport i didn't like that it was assembled in mexico if you listen to my podcast you heard that all right but that's all american engineering it's american technology it's not a foreign technology and that's so that's that's you know that's that answers the question and uh, that's it and you obviously you're free to like whatever you want and that's nothing wrong with it. some guys like blondes some like brunettes i happen to be a blonde guy but i married a dark-haired girl but she became a blonde so all right so that is that okay now we have phil from new york and phil said why did you stop working on engines well i stopped working on engines for a number of reasons and the thing is that you know people tell you and is the old adage and you hear it so many times I mean, like with people who are keynote speakers or whatever, it says, you know, do what you love for a living and you'll never work a day in your life. Well, I'll tell you, that 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 statement needs to be modified, all right? So, because do what you love for a living and you'll never work a day in your life if you work for someone else. There's a big difference in life, and I don't care what it is. You could be a, you could be a, a, a hairdresser, you could be a nurse, you could be a school teacher, you could be whatever, a mechanic, you could be a truck driver, whatever, you could be a farmer, right? Obviously a farmer. And there's a big difference between doing what you like and doing what you like as far as having a business and trying to make a living doing it. When I had my shop and I got my shop going and my and I have to honestly say my shop did very well for a number of years. It, 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 it stairs stepped up, it plateaued for a number of years, and then there were elements, all right, not to my doing, not that I mean, not that I wouldn't take you know, blame for it, because I'm a straight shooter. I call a spade a spade, makes no difference, right? If I screwed it up, I screwed it up. But if, but if there was elements out of my control with the economy and things of that nature. But when you when you go into a business, so let's talk about cars because so I work in and you know work I loved working on engines. I loved doing all of that. I didn't love 
trying to make a business out of it, trying to deal with employees, trying to deal with the landlord, trying to deal with the fire inspector, trying to deal with customers. I could do a whole show on nightmare customers. Uh, all right. Uh, <clears throat> I didn't. I I had an employee in my shop who was backdooring me. What I mean by backdooring me, he had his own business cards printed up, and then my customers would come in, and then he would give them a business card, and he was, and you know, to me, a customer is fair game. So I was, you know, like just like with our farm stand, all right. This this within with within five or let's say 10 miles out farm stands there's five people selling sweet corn, fresh market sweet corn farmers. God bless them. I, you know, I wish them all the luck in the world. I, they sadly, they don't feel that way about me, all right, uh, which is a shame, and that's a part of agriculture that went away. You know, when you're selling grain to the grain elevator, when you're selling milk, when you're selling milk to the dairy, there wasn't that 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 competition. But when a lot of people here in New Jersey went to vegetables, they got out of dairy, and they're trying to sell sweet corn and vegetables to the same cars riding by on the highway. It lost that camaraderie, which is very sad. I never felt that way. I don't feel that way, and never, neither does my wife. We would never feel that way. But they, uh, I won't name names, but they don't feel the same way about us. Whatever. Okay, fine, we'll leave it at that. So, you know, my contention is that if my employee wanted to say, Ray, I'm going to go break out on my own and I'm going to go, you know, I want to work myself. That's fine. That's wonderful. God bless you. Hey, if I could ever help you, Matt, you could come and you know, whatever. You need to borrow tools from me. You need some advice from me, whatever. God bless you. Because that's what life is all about. And specifically as a Christian, it, that's, you know, that, that's what it's about. But when you are stealing, when you're working for me, taking my taking my salary, taking my hospitalization, taking everything, and you're stealing my customers, and also going in the office because we were a small company, had four or five people working for me. We didn't lock anything. When you're stealing parts, I mean, forget about it, forget about it. When you when you're going through Sharon's desk and writing down all the customer contact numbers, when you're stealing money out of the petty cash drawer when you're doing and, and making your own business card come in and, and so that was so basically in essence with without and that one person wasn't the total impetus for me getting out of the business what i was trying to say to you is that i got to the point with my business that i did not work on engines i was running the business and anybody who has a business will will, will bear witness to that it, as your business starts to grow and become successful you go so far off on a tangent that even though you're hey whatever i'm an engine builder i got my work boots on i got everything on i wasn't touching anything i was dealing with everything else dealing with the fire inspector dealing with customers dealing with the credit card company dealing with the landlord dealing with the parts supplier i didn't touch anything anymore and and i hated that so the thing is that and i don't care what you do so if you go and you say, well, I love cutting hair. I love to be a, a beautician, all right? There's a whole difference between being a beautician and having somebody else own the business and you get paid. However, they get paid, I have no idea. Or being a cook and saying, well, I love to cook. I want to be a chef and having your own restaurant and dealing with all the other garbage of having a business. So I really think in life, whoever says that says work a day you know do what you love for a living and then you'll never work a day in your life has a and that i may be insulting someone has a naive outlook on the world and on life if you do that for somebody as an employee 
That's fantastic. Yeah, because I'm over here. Hey, Ray, go over there. Do that carburetor, right? Oh, yeah, fine. I'm going to do a beautiful boss. Bah, bah, bah. Go cut the hair. Here's Mrs. Jones. Cut her hair. Bah, bah, beautiful. But when all you get skewed, just like my wife loves being a kindergarten teacher, I said, you wouldn't love having your own school. That's a whole different ball game. So that is why I got out of it. Plus, there was a lot of dynamics changing in the business. Uh, my two main employees that I kept, Sharon and Joey, I wanted them to go on. I told them they were both very, very bright, young, wonderful young people, and I wanted them to go on and better their lives than they could ever be with me. It was my name. My shop was Precise Automotive and Marine. I said, "This is at best you'll you'll make a salary here. That's it." So I wanted Joey, and I'm hoping to do an on the road podcast with Joey. He said he would do it, and I mean, just we haven't gotten together, but. Uh, and a wonderful bright young man and he went on and i pushed him to go to engineering school and he went on um he went on and became electrical engineer he actually worked on the ford gt the original 0506 the cooling system fan and he worked for schindler elevator as a designer and i think some other company and then he calls me up one day says i'm going back to school to become an attorney he says, and he's a very, very successful patent attorney right now. So he is a kid, and when he was working for me, he went to aviation school, Teterboro School of Aviation. He graduated cum laude, top of the class. So you got, to, I call him a kid. He's like 50-something years old now, but he's younger than, he's younger than me, so I always looked at him as a younger brother. So you got a kid, right, who could fix a jet, has a power plane, what they call power plant and power frame license, that's what they call it, right? Fix a jet, he could pour the cylinder head, he could weld, he could degree a cam, he could tune a digital fuel injection system, he's an electrical engineer, he could design He could design a, a controller for an elevator, and now he's a patent attorney? I mean, that's unbelievable. That is unbelievable, and, and he's really, I mean, I'm so proud of Joey, and he came to me as a kid who worked in a gas station who needed a haircut. Right, so, so I mean, it, it just wonderful. And Sharon, when Sharon came to me to work, I needed somebody to run the office. She didn't know how to make a long distance phone call. I told, okay, Sharon, call California. And what he's part? We laughed on it many years later. Is that when she told me that she called her mother, says he wants me to call California. How do I do it? So, so her mother said to her, "What you do is get the area code and dial it, honey. It's like that calling calling across the street. It makes no difference." And then uh, when I knew that I was closing the shop, I made sure that I set both of them up. I told I told them, look, get credit cards, get this. I told Sharon that we're going to get you get a new car. I, we got her a new Saturn. I said, I was fixing your old junky car. You got to go to work. You can't, you, you got to go to school. And, and, and Sharon ended up getting a job. There's a lot of pharmaceutical companies in New Jersey as the executive assistant to the president of a pharmaceutical company. I don't remember whether it was Novartis or somebody. And then she went to college. Uh, she, she had this she, beautiful, beautiful girl, very pretty girl, sweet as the day is long. And she was going to get married. And she wrote me a letter out of the blue, a handwritten letter. And it made me cry because she told me that she learned more working with me and i'm not i'm saying this humbly please I'm not tooting my horn but she said i learned more working with you than i did getting my master's degree and says the things that i apply in my 
my career, I learned that precise automotive and marine from you. And I cried when I read it. So, so the thing is that, so they needed to go on their own. They needed, I could never have given them the life they needed to, that they were deserving of working in a hot rod shop. My mother was dying. Charlotte's father died. Uh, I wanted to get, we, Charlotte and I were get engaged to get married. We, Charlotte was taking care of her parents. I was taking care of my parents. And I knew that I would be a lousy husband if I had the shop because it was just so time consuming and it was just so I needed to get out of the shop. And I had started my writing. I was blessed to have my writing career. And I started my writing career and I and never looked back. And that, so that's basically uh, why I gave up working on engines because it was no fun. The idea of working on engines was fun as a hobby. It's not fun as a business. Trust me. Trust me, and I'm sure a lot of people could tell you the same thing uh, about every other business, not just building hot rods. Cool, yeah, cool, yeah, fun, but cool and paying the bills <clears throat> and dealing with the fire inspector who wanted. This was New Jersey, man. This is rough country here, right? I mean, even though I'm out in the farm, I was close to New York City. Whole different ball game. Fire inspector wanted to get paid off. Had a problem with the. Uh, <clears throat> with the mafia, with the garbage, I, I, I go on and on. I mean, it's not it's not for this podcast. So, so uh, that was so. I came to work dressed like a guy working on engines, but all I did was put out fires all day long. And every fire I put out cost me a lot of money. All right. So we have <clears throat> one more question. It says, "How did you get your radio show on Sirius XM?" And that is Rich from Michigan. Well, that's a very easy one to answer is that what had happened was that it was 2020 during COVID and I received an email and through my website and, I'll, and I remember the email verbatim and it was, and it said very short and it said, my name is Eddie Evenson and I remember the gentleman's name, which I never met and I'll tell you why, why. Eddie Evenson and I'm, this, I'm the program director for Sirius XM Channel 147 Rural Radio. I would like to know if you'd be interested in turning your Idle Chatter podcast into a radio show on our network. Thank you. And it's signed, Ed Evenson. I get this email. It was a rural radio email address, Sirius XM, so I know it wasn't phony. And so I, I, I you know, digested, I mean, I mean, the, to, to be quite honest with you, it was, uh, I mean, I, I didn't know what to think because you actually get nervous. I had never been on the radio. I'm doing a podcast. I don't even know what the heck I'm doing with a podcast, let alone a radio. I mean, I know engines. I know machinery. I know how stuff works, but I'm not a recording guy. I'm working in my basement in a farmhouse. Does this guy notice? I'm saying to myself, I'm just a farmer on Cat Swamp Road. So I sent an email to him. I waited about an hour or two to compose my nerves. And they sent an email to him, said, I want to thank you very much. I'd be very interested in, in, in exploring this with you. So those of you that are in business know that the proper word would be exploring because you don't know what they're, you don't know what that's about and they don't know what you're about. So, and I didn't hear from him, so I didn't expect him to be sitting there and giving, and I think it was on a Thursday or a Friday. It may have been a Friday. I think it was on a Friday I got the email, Friday morning. So I said to Charlotte, I'm going to wait a week because I don't, I mean, the guy could be going on vacation. It was May, I think, going on vacation, whatever. It was during COVID, and uh, I, who the hell knows what's going on? 
So, you know, in business, you have to wait. There's a gestation period, and and I call it a gestation period. You can't table stuff for 20 years, but you can't you can't expect people to be sitting there like you're you know with a McDonald's driving. Okay, let me have a let me have a a, a, a Big Mac and large fries and a soda. It doesn't work that way. And anybody who's in business knows that. Who's listening? I don't care whether you're an attorney or whatever. And I know I have a number of attorneys that are listening that are, came from farms. So. Uh, but anyway, so I said to Charlotte, so you have to almost make like a, he said, okay, if I don't hear from them in a week, I'll reach back out to them. Because my concern was that, you know, so many times you send emails, like I deal with Hem- Hemmings, I've dealt with Hemmings since 1998, 97 and ni- 1998. Half the time my emails go into their spam file. I don't know why. So you're always afraid that you're going to go into somebody's spam file where they're going to get 10,000 emails. They're not going to know who you are and they're going to erase it or something. So that's what my concern was. So this guy didn't think I was a jerk. So here it is. I'm serious. XM. I'm contacting this guy from New Jersey and he doesn't care to get back to me, right? Then tell me to go to heck, right? So I was, that's what I was concerned with. So I figured I'd wait a week. So I figured the clock started on Monday. Since it was Friday, I wait till the following Monday and i will send them an email if i don't hear from so i did that and i went back in my file and i said you know please know that i did respond to you i don't know if it went into your spam file whenever you have the opportunity you know you know please reach out to me i'd like to i would like to uh discuss this with you about a half hour later i get an email from rural radio sirius xm from another person zach zach troutman and uh and um and I knew his name from just listening to the station on Sirius XM, my Fiesta, that he was his engineer there. And he sends me an email. And sadly, Mr. Evenson, that's why I said I never met him, never spoke to him. He sent my he sent that inquiry to me. And he went home and he got a heart attack and he died. He was only supposedly only not supposedly, I later confirmed he was in his early fifties. So it was by God's grace that if he decided to send that email, say, ah, I'll send it on Monday or whatever the heck it's. I mean, it was no big deal. It was just curious whether I want they were looking to add shows. And from what I learned subsequently is that Mr. Evenson would listen to other people's podcasts in the agricultural community. And, and, off, and, and, and I am honored because to the best of my knowledge, I'm the only one he offered a show to. So if he would have said, I'll do that on Monday or whatever i never would have had that opportunity to have the radio show so what happened is that zach sent me an email says that ed died suddenly and that they're all they're all in the the tizzy because he was the program director and he said to me we have a file on you which i was impressed as long as it's not the fbi right a file on you and we're definitely interested in doing something with you but it's going to take some time says if you want to reach out to me so a month or two went by i reached out to him he was very very respectful very nice i have the highest hold him in the highest uh highest esteem and he said to me i know you're anxious he says we're still you know whatever so whatever he said was very professional very nice he says, i understand your anxiousness but we're still not ready to do something you know so i said to charlotte look i said i'm not going to bother him anymore i said you can't miss whatever you can't miss what you didn't have in life right so i said i'm just going to give it to god and whatever happens happens we're getting ready to harvest our sweet corn we actually had a beautiful harvest that year thank god and i just forgot about it 
whatever whatever it is it is just going on doing the podcast doing the website doing working for successful farming some car magazines and just taking a different path in life and then what happened is that just before thanksgiving i'd say a week before thanksgiving i get an email from somebody else in rural radio and he says my name is rick Patton. we're interested in doing you know, we're talking to you about the radio show all right but the first question i want to ask you can you start january 2nd so i say a lot of questions so first let me if you could start i say i could start january 2nd we'll make it happen so that's how that deal came together so so it was by god's grace so as i get ready to close today and i want to thank you for asking me these questions i hope i didn't bore you my audience with the with these questions about me please know that i would love to know about you what whatever i'm not going to ask you questions all right but if you if if you look at it or i shouldn't say you can't look at it because you don't know it is that i look at the if i look at the three key elements well there's probably more than three but i'll say three main elements in my life i met my wife i had answered to a petition to the lord out in the utah desert of asking him to bring me someone that uh that i could share my the life that he's blessed me with that i could share the beauty of his creation and traveling and you know and the other thing is that what you have to know is that charlotte's father loved him that he passed away just before my mother passed away back in 96 he was a, a okinawa veteran he was in okinawa and uh was injured and was in just uh, a, w- a wonderful a wonderful story of a wonderful story of perseverance and and of a great man mr joe clark and uh but he was a terrible driver and he had all junk old cars so charlotte was never a tr- i mean when they were kids if they went 10 miles and the car didn't break down they were happy and his fa- her father was not good with cars or mechanical so you know here it is i'm out in the utah desert pouring my heart out to the lord asking him to bring me a woman of a, a woman that looks good in a bikini i'll tell you that i mean <laughs> i kind of didn't say that per se to the lord but he knew my heart and like i could travel with well charlotte she took to car travel and this i mean you have to she went no place in the car because the father they never went any place they'd always break down they were afraid to go any place <laughs> so and the father wasn't a good driver I mean, he was a great soldier but wasn't a good driver but anyway so great man so and then she took to this i mean you know wyoming montana canada all over the place so she took like so which truly is god's hand and like i said i met her one year probably one year to the day uh i, I shouldn't say it, it was probably 11 months 11 months because i was going to speed week that was in august and i met charlotte july 22nd 1992 and i went to speed week with my lincoln which was in august of 91 so it was 11 months by 11 months to the day all right i got my writing career how did i got my writing career in the car magazines i wrote a letter to the editor i wrote a letter to the editor about it to a, about him not looking for a career i had my shop wrote a letter to the editor of correcting something in a technical article that was i didn't write a nasty letter it was about piston chamfer and about two months later they contacted me and said would you like to write for us and they had 12 different magazines and that and that's how i was able to get out of my shop but i had not if you asked me you know how did you do that did you go to journalism school no did you do this no 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 i was a magazine magazineaholic i love magazines read a lot and they came to me from a letter to the editor and then with my podcast 
I wanted to do something more than I was doing with successful farming with the TV show and the radio show, not radio show, the, the magazine. And then I was walking around the truck stop as I did in the morning and have coffee and spend time talking to the Lord. And out of the blue, I didn't even know what a podcast was. And I heard God speak to my heart and said, do a podcast. So I came home, I did an internet search. What the heck is a podcast? And that's how I started Idle Chatter. And then that's how I got the radio show. So the thing basically is, is it was a hundred without question, the hand of the Lord and I feel, and that's why I feel so honored to have you listening to me either on the radio or on the podcast because I just feel that God put me where he wanted me to be all of those years. And if you if you were to know my buddy Gene, who I'm going to do it on the road with, all right, best friend in all the world, all right, is that he knows the story of my life the the failures the successes and my life was never a to be like a drag strip it was go down this road our bridges out back up it was i went left to go right i went right to go south north to go east it was that that was the that was what how god led my life it wasn't i'm not I, 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 i'm not gonna say they made no mistakes because i'd be lying if i didn't but i probably read the map wrong but he took me all around and as my friend a different gene gene wagner who i got very friendly with and they own emmy wagner the pre adjustable pcv valve company and gene is gene wagner not gene worse gene worse is my buddy gene wagner is my friend from the pc and gene is older than i am all right the probably 10 or 15 years older all right great guy and the son is matt is a a wonderful engineer at Penn State near Hot Rodders. They designed a PCV valve. Emmy Wagner, adjustable PCV, fantastic. But anyway, but the thing is that Gene Wagner had said to me when I started, he says, Ray, he says, 10 years ago, you could not do this. Because, and he was 100% correct. He said, God had you on a path, a journey, so to, to prepare you for this day. And that's why I'm so honored when you listen to me whether it's on the radio or the show because i feel that i am where god wanted me to be to help the good people of agriculture that feed to provide the food and fuel and fiber for not only america but for the world so it's a call i feel that it's a calling that god put me on this road to to get here so now you know a lot about me I hope I didn't bore you. I want to thank you so much for allowing me to share this with you. And I want you to know that the Hot Rod Farmer is pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher, and my beloved, beloved America. You have a blessed day. And next week, nothing about me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize for the show. Thank you. Bye-bye.